Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 136. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? You know who it is, Eric Cacciatore. It's Tuesday, which means it's Talking Tuesday, and it's been a while since I've done Talking Tuesday. So if you're new to the show, what I do on Talking Tuesdays is recap something I've learned from a book or an article or a TED Talks that maybe a past guest recommended or maybe something that I found out there on my own that I wanted to share with you. Uh, you guys don't have the time to do the research. You don't have the time to always dive into these resources and that's what I'm here to do is to go into these resources to extract the little nuggets of knowledge and to share them with you and honestly I do hope you take it a step further and to go into these resources on your own because uh, you owe it to yourself to expand. I'll I'll summarize for you but the true lessons are in uh, doing the work yourself. It's hard to find the time. I get it but it's totally worth it in the end. Um, I just got distracted. I hope you can you guys hear the birds in the background. I don't know about you, but I am pumped that it's spring. I'm so like just jazzed up right now. I hope you guys don't mind those birds. I think it's awesome, but uh, I hope you guys appreciate it too. Okay, uh, so today we're talking about Danny Myers setting the table. Uh, it's no secret that this book is mentioned all the time on the show. It's doesn't like no other book even comes close to how many times this book is mentioned on the show. It's a landslide. And I read this book a little over a year ago when my guest first started, or when I first started doing the interviews. And uh, the show, this book was, you know, immediately recommended and I took the advice and I started reading it but then when I read that book a year ago I didn't have the same knowledge I have now I I didn't conduct all these interviews and I wasn't as versed in the subject of what it takes to be successful in the restaurant industry so I thought it would be prudent to read the book again with a, a new vision on what it takes to be successful and man I'm happy I did I mean the words in Danny Meyer's book really resonated with me like 10 times more after reading it a second time and it resonated with me so much one line in particular and i'll read that for you now the only way a company can grow stay true to its soul and remain consistently successful is to attract hire and keep great people i mean that line right there knocked me on my ass Uh, he also says the number one thing that will determine your success is who you place in your company and it's so true uh you can't do this by yourself and you're only as good as your team. And that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned doing these, these podcasts, interviewing all these successful people. They know how to surround themselves with those who are better than they are where they're weak or those who are just great people. And at the end of the day, it's just huge. I cannot put enough emphasis on it. And believe it or not, I went through and I read this book a third time after reading that quote with the specific eye to look for little nuggets of knowledge on those three things on how to hire or sorry how to attract hire and keep great people um and i wrote all those little nuggets down um i recorded it all right there and the purpose of this episode is just to spell it all out for you these are danny meyer's words on how he attracts hires and keeps great people um i thought it would be fun to go in reverse order, uh, one of the things I've learned is successful people start with the end in mind. And really the end is keeping these people on your team 
First, you need to attract them. First, you need to hire them. But we're going to start with the end in mind, and that's how you keep people. All right, so starting with how to keep people, the first thing that has to be mentioned is Danny's like his culture it's that enlightened hospitality culture that he's established and if you're not familiar with his uh, enlightened hospitality philosophy it's basically that uh you are hospitable first with your employees then to your guests then to your community then to your suppliers then to your investors in that order and those are the people you give priority to um that's like the hierarchy of who gets your hospitality first. So really what he's done is created a culture of hospitality where you treat everyone that you encounter with warmth, with generosity, with care, with just being a good person. Like that's his philosophy. That's how he treats people. And it's funny because most people, if you had never heard of the enlightened hospitality philosophy, or if you never heard of Danny Myers and we put those uh those titles on a like flashcards or something you know guest staff uh uh, suppliers, community, uh, investors. We put all those different names on flashcards, put them on an open table, and just shuffle them around and ask you to prioritize who you give your uh, hospitality to and what order and what priority would you set uh, your hospitality. Most people would probably start with the guest. But Danny Myers is extremely... Uh, insightful and his intuition is spot on because he knows that if you can't keep your guests happy or sorry if you can't keep your employees happy your guests won't be happy because it's your job to make your guests happy and if your guests are being served by unhappy people it's not going to happen and you can't be everywhere you can't be that person serving everyone so your job as the owner is to provide your team with the tools in the the culture to make others happy. So you have to make your priority your staff, your team. Uh, so cool. And one cool way to look at this, uh, and Danny talks about how he got... Uh, he had a period where he was volunteering or working with volunteers for a political campaign, and he was in charge of a bunch of people, and these people were volunteering to work with him. And he says that... At the end of the day, yeah, the people, they're working for you to pay the bills, but at the, there's, you know, in a way, these people that are working for you are volunteering their time, because if, you, if you're in a city like New York, there's hundreds and hundreds of great restaurants that they can go work at uh, and get paid just as much. So really, at the end of the day, they're volunteering to choose to work for you because it's your restaurant that has the ideals that has the culture that aligns with your staff. Um, so what you have to do is create those ideals. Like what do we stand for? Like what's our purpose? What's our mission? What's our vision? Why are we here? What makes us a great company? And uh, Danny does a really good job of uh, creating that culture. So all these people come to him because of it. And really what Danny's doing by serving others, what I mean, this, all these things I'm talking about up to this point are examples of how Danny is a bottom-up manager. He is a servant leader, which means his job, if you were to create a pyramid and you were to turn that pyramid, uh, that, uh, that hierarchy upside down, his job as the owner is to serve everyone above him because now you turn that period that pyramid upside down he's at the bottom 
serving everyone above him. And part of serving people is providing them with the tools and the culture and setting that tone to be successful. Uh, and on that topic of being a servant leader, uh, managing from the bottom up, one thing he does to search for opportunities to do things for people is he calls it A, B, C, D. Always be collecting dots. Initially, he talks about this with uh, doing it with your your uh, your guests. You're always looking for ways to blow your guests out of the water by looking for ways to connect with them on a human level. But you need to do that, too, with your employees. You need to be reading their body language to make sure they're happy or giving you those social cues that, you know, something might not be right. And when you see those social cues, if you can tell that somebody is a little off reading their body language, looking for these dots, act on it, uh, dig, find out what's wrong. It's your job as the owner to make sure everyone's happy. So it's, you have to be proactive. Uh, it's, it's more than just kind of writing down the culture and the vision. Once you have to actively be searching for, you know, opportunities that might suggest you're not doing the best job you can do uh, because they're not going to come out and smack you in the face. You always have to be looking for them. So always be collecting those dots. Um, And one example of how Danny Myers is a servant leader and how he does, he runs his company for his people. And this example just blew me out of the water is uh, when they were opening, he wanted to open a new restaurant. Uh, Tabla was his uh, Indian restaurant. And he was talking to his chef at the time, Michael Romano, and uh, he literally opened this Indian restaurant because of the passions his chef has for the culture, the Indian culture, the Indian foods. Uh, He wanted to tap into uh, Chef Romano's higher needs, his higher needs, his definite purpose, his his, uh, interest to learn about what's interesting to him. And he literally created a restaurant... uh, to meet those needs. He he did this for his staff. Uh, it's really incredible. And that story goes a little bit for, further because if you're familiar with Danny's uh, empire, what he's created, uh, that restaurant, Tabla, did not uh, do very well. They actually ended up closing that restaurant. But that is how Shake Shack really exploded, from my understanding, is when that restaurant didn't work, he was devastated. He was he worked so hard for his people that he was absolutely crushed. He said he's never cried so hard. And he talks about that in a recent uh, article in Inc. Magazine. If you guys don't read Inc., you should. But he was crushed that Tabla, or Tabla, I think I'm saying that right, didn't work. That he decided to expand upon Shake Shack because he needed to take those people that now were out of jobs and give them something to go to, give them other opportunities. Everything Danny Myers does is for his staff. He is the ultimate example of a servant leader, a bottom-up manager. Um, Awesome stuff. You can tell I'm getting worked up. (laughs) So, um, all right. So now we're on the topic of... Uh, leadership and how to keep people. You need to be a great leader. Uh, and Danny gives us three hallmarks of an effective leader. So I'm just going to spit those out for you real quick. Maybe we'll uh, go over them a little bit. But all right, the first hallmark of an effective leader is you have to provide a clear vision so your employees know where you are taking them and what they are working for. Uh, we all know that you know we don't pay our employees the most. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot of us love this industry. We'd love to make a career as a server, as a host, or as a dishwasher. But the truth is, a lot of those people, uh, they're doing it to pay the bills. They're in college. They're, it's temporary. So you need to tap into their higher needs, and you do that by hiring people who are aligned and can resonate with your vision, the vision you want your company to be, and the culture 
you uh, are building. And they need to know that they're they're working for that culture, that you're all pulling in the same direction. So that's really important. That was number one. Number two is hold people accountable for their standards or your standards of excellence. So why are standards so important? Um, especially if you have a standard of excellence, if you're an excellent company and you do things really good, you need to keep them standard, meaning they need to be done the same way every time. Uh, the reason why is because if you have somebody who comes into your restaurant and they get outstanding service, they're going to expect outstanding service every time. Uh, when you build that standard of excellence, even if you do a great job, it's slightly shy, just a little self of excellent, it's going to be perceived as awful because that person who comes back knows what you're capable of. You cannot budge from those standards of excellence. Even if it's great service, not excellent, it's still not going to be perceived as what you're capable of, which is why you really have to hold people accountable for those standards of excellence and just really drive that um, drive that home to them. Make them know that, yeah, you did a good job, but good's not good enough. We do things excellent here. No matter what your, your niche is or whatever you're doing, whatever it is that you're known for, uh, have those standards and don't budge from them. All right. The third hallmark of an effective leader is uh, cultural standards and non-negotiable values. So we talked about like the service standards real quickly just then, but now you have that that, that cultural standards and those values that are non-negotiable. Um, an example I can think of is uh, calling in sick. Right? You don't no show. This is an extreme example. Like obviously this is kind of you know uh, a no-brainer, but you if you're sick, you know. That happens. We get it. But you don't just no-show. Like You communicate. You don't just leave your team hanging to dry. Like You have those values. You have this culture that you set that, you know, we respect each other. We work for each other. We're here for each other. We're a family. And those are our values. That's our culture. You don't budge. And here's a really important thing that kind of ties into that, that third hallmark of, of an effective leader you have to hold yourself accountable for the standards you set for your staff. That's the probably the most important part. And this is how you'll keep people around. You can't say, you need to do this like this, this like this, like this like this. You can't say it without doing it. Actually, you probably shouldn't say it. You should just do it, and people will follow in your wake. So that's the most important thing here in those three hallmarks is you got to do it yourself. You can't create the standards and not follow the standards. That's very important. Okay, so we're still on the topic of keeping your staff. One thing that has to be mentioned in this section is constant gentle pressure. And it kind of all ties into his philosophy, uh, the whole the title of the book, Setting the Table. Uh, and I'll go through that philosophy and what I mean by setting the table. Um, during the book, he has he's telling a story about how he has a friend visiting his restaurant who's also a restaurant professional, and he's really stressed out. He's in his late, I think he's 27, and he, he's having trouble, so he's struggling with keeping those those standards of excellence there. Like, he's getting frustrated. People aren't listening to him, and his, his buddy is like, you know what, Danny, your job is just to set the table and to keep those standards there, to gently apply pressure, and what, the way he you know, shows Danny how this is done is by, he clears, you know, he has Danny clear off a table and he puts a salt shaker in the middle of the table and he says, Danny, just move that salt shaker a little bit to the left or whatever. So Danny moves it 
and he says, now put it in the center of the table. And Danny puts it in the center of the table, and his friend goes, is that, are you sure that's where you want it? And Danny's like, well, maybe not. He moves it a little bit more, so now it's smack dab, dead center. That is a, an example. That's supposed to um, be a metaphor for what your job of the owner is. Basically, what he's saying is that salt that you just put in the middle of the table, it's going to get pushed off center. That's what people do. That's what your employees do. That's what your guests do. They will naturally push that salt off the center of the table. But your job as the manager is to gently center it. Just keep it going back. And you that's what the, the gentle part of this is. You can't get pissed off because it's what they do. They don't know your restaurant like you know your restaurant. It's your job as the manager or as the owner just to gently keep that salt shaker in the middle of the table constantly. It has to be constant. It has to be gentle. You have to apply that pressure. Um, and that's kind of how... He, you know, we are successful. It's that constant, that constant gentle pressure and it can't be more than gentle. Cause as soon as you start losing your cool and you start, you know, embarrassing people or belittling people in front of others, uh, they're going to not stick around. Um, it's hospitality. It's, it's being gentle. It's being warm. It's being caring. Uh, you have to remember that. All right. To wrap up, uh, on the topic of how to keep people on your team, how to keep these great people, these great employees. Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit already, but you have to be a servant leader. You have to work for people, and that's what hospitality is, right? Working for others, being warm, caring, existing for the the benefit of others. Part of that is giving people the tools to be successful. And this is what you need to do for your managers. You need to teach your managers that it's their primary objective to give the folks like your line staff, like your servers, like the dishwashers, the tools they need to succeed. Um, it's the line staff's job to create win-win situations for the your guests, but it's your job and your manager's job to give those people the tools so they can create those win-win situations. And if you're asking yourself, what are the tools? I mean, they're systems, they're procedures, they're policies, they're standards, they're... You know, it's education, it's training. Uh, these are all examples of the tools. And if people are falling short, if they're not delivering on those standards, it might be because you're not giving them the tools. So have some accountability there. So Myers gives a really great analogy on how uh, he makes it so his managers can provide his staff with the tools. The three uh, powers, he says, he gives these his managers three powers. Those three powers are the power of a megaphone, the power of binoculars, and the power of fire. So what's it meant by the power of a megaphone? So when you become a manager, now you can be heard by everyone. What you say is heard. That's one power you get. Uh, the second power, binoculars. Now, you're not getting the binoculars, but everyone else who's not a manager has binoculars, and they're on you, which means you do everything right. You hold yourself to those standards of excellence, and people will see what's expected by watching you. And then the last one, which I'm going to talk most about real quickly, is the power of fire. Now, most people probably hear that, the power of fire, and their mind immediately goes to, oh, so you can fire people, get rid of them, or, you know, scorch somebody when they do something wrong, or, you know, just people are afraid of fire, and you don't mess with fire. But that's not what is meant by the power of fire. Think about what fire can do. It provides warmth. It, sh it provides light. 
so you can make people understand the right way. You can show the way. You can you can light the path to success. Uh, a fire can be a bonfire, a massive fire where everyone gathers. I mean, you have the ability to make people gather where you can get them all united to serve for a common purpose, a common goal. That's what he means by fire, and that's how he trains it to his staff. I might do uh, another episode dedicated to this topic because it's really cool uh but yeah that 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 fire that power of fire can be huge so so those are the biggest nuggets i was able to dig out of the book on how to keep your employees and really it's it's all about service it's all about existing for others being there for others providing the tools so others can be successful uh you you are the means to other people's dreams (laughs) it's so cheesy but i love that line all right, moving on on how to uh, hire people. These are Danny's tips on how to hire extraordinary staff, great people. All right, so Danny understands that uh, hospitality is all about the dialogue between your staff and your guests. So in order to create good dialogue, you need people who are socially intelligent, people who can engage with your guests on a social level and empathize and sympathize with your guests. He calls these people 51 percenters. Uh, These are people that just radiate warmth, that just smile, that are optimistic, and I'll get into all the the character traits of a 51 percenter but right now it's just important to realize um, that danny hires 51 percenters and a 51 percenter is someone who has 51 percent uh emotional skills social intelligence uh attitude positivity uh they just that's their that's they're 51 percent of that and they're 49 percent um, technical excellence, meaning service training, uh, being able to learn, uh, knowing the techniques, understanding the food, uh, being able to educate your guests, being able to absorb information easily. But I mean, that stuff's important, but it's not nearly as important as social intelligence, because again, it's all about that dialogue, that exchange between your guests and your staff. And, um, you can't train that. Uh, you can't train positivity. You can't train optimism. Uh, you can't train somebody who just naturally radiates good energy. So that's what he's looking for. And um, we have the characteristics now, the five characteristics uh, that he looks for when hiring a 51 percenter. Uh, the first characteristic Danny is looking for is optimistic warmth. So what does that mean? Uh, people who are optimistic look for the best in all situations. So say, for example, he uses this in the book. Somebody shows up late for the reservation and now they're tapping into your potential profits or they're messing with your uh, seating order or what you have planned for the night and just throws a wrench into your your picture, your, your gears, and just messes you up, right? An optimistic, warm person, or if you have optimistic warmth, you are thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I hope our guests are okay. I hope they didn't get lost. I hope they didn't get in a car accident. And when they do show up five or ten minutes late, they're not the kind of person that's going to be like, oh, nice of you to join us. Oh, you made it. Great. Thanks. Like, with that, like, dark, nasty attitude, what they're going to do is go, oh my god, I'm so happy you made it. We were getting worried about you. Did you get lost? Was there parking? Like, you care about that person. Like, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and some of the things you can do to find out if somebody is optimistic is just give them scenarios, talk to them and see if they look at, uh, if they have a glass half full or a glass half empty outlook, are they looking at the best of situations or the worst? Are they looking at the pros or the cons? Uh, just 
be searching for those types of things. All right, the second thing that Danny mentions uh, when he's looking for characteristics of a 51 percenter is intelligence. Not just book smarts, not just the ability to recite things or to figure things out, but the curiosity. Uh, Do they want to learn? Do they have the desire to learn? Are they excited about your menu? Uh, When they change the menu, are they eager to learn about the culture and the history of that menu item? And are they not only, not only are they excited to learn, but do they seem to get excited about teaching others? Um, Because that's really important too. That's part of the experience, educating your guests and uh, takes a special person to uh, get excited about that sort of thing. One thing you can do to kind of tap into the intelligence of somebody uh, is find out what they're passionate about and uh, see what they know about it. See if they, if you see them getting worked up, if you can see that sparkle in their eye when they start telling you about what they're passionate about and educating you. And if any luck, you can get somebody who's passionate about food and they're showing that sparkle in their eye, then hang on to them because that's a hard to come by. Uh, the third thing is work ethic. Do these people have a drive for excellence? I mean, how can you tell if they do? Uh, Danny Myers calls it the excellence reflex. Say, uh, if you have somebody coming in for an interview, it's during the off hours, pull the seats out a little bit. Make sure things are a little twisted and the seats aren't straight. Uh, maybe sit them down in front of a table where the fork isn't entirely on the napkin and see if they fix it. Uh, if they center the seats and they make the seats parallel with the tables, like if it's instinctual, if they ref- if they're re- if their natural instinct is to react to making that situation perfect, that's attention to detail. Uh, that's an incredible work ethic. That's having standards and not bending for those standards. And there's little things you can do to test people on that. All right, number four, and this is for the, the 51 percenters that you're hiring, the fourth characteristic is uh, empathy. So what's meant by empathy? Can you put yourself in someone's situation? Can you say, I've, I've never experienced what you're experiencing right now, but I can imagine how upset you must be. And I'm so sorry. Like, I, what happened to you didn't even happen to me, but I'm about to cry because I know how you must feel. That is empathy. And you want empathetic people because you want people who are on the guest's side. And in order to be on the guest side, you need to know what the guest is feeling. You need to be able to go to bat for them and uh, just be able to experience what is upsetting them or what's making them happy. But that ability to synchronize with somebody else is a huge emotionally intelligent characteristic. If you have people that are instantly able to connect with others and what they're feeling, that's a good sign. One way to find out if somebody has empathy, ask if they cry during movies. This is a good sign that somebody is empathetic because that ability to see a sad situation and to immediately feel what that person in the movie is feeling Um, that person in the movie is sad, they're crying, and if you start crying, that's a a good indication that that person has um, some type of heavy empathetic uh, core there. So, number five, the last characteristic of a uh, 51%er is self-awareness and integrity. Do they know how they are affecting others? Uh, Are they aware of how their emotions are affecting others? Do they have control of their emotions? Uh, Do they know what you know, what impact their actions have on others. Um, one test you can do to find out if somebody has uh, self-awareness or if they're even empathetic too, or uh, if they're others focused is ask them to write the letter R using their pointer finger on their forehead. Now, if they write the letter R 
in a way that they can see it that's right for them, meaning they they draw the R, so from their perspective, it's right. Uh, that means that they're probably not too self-aware of other, or they don't care about others, or they're not concerned about the interest of others. Now, however, if they write the R with their finger on their forehead so you can see that it's clearly an R, that means they are... Uh, concerned, they're others-focused, they're others-driven, they care about how what they're doing affects you. That's a really good test to see if somebody's naturally self-aware. Um, there's some more tricks in a book I read called To Sell as Human. Uh, you should check that out by Daniel Pink. But anyway, maybe I'll have a Talking Tuesday on that, and that's a good idea. Sorry, sidetracked. So, yeah, integrity, um, can they shut off their emotion? If they're having a bad day, are they going to come into work? Is their bad attitude going to skunk everybody, or are they going to notice that they need to put an end to that, and they need to be positive, and need to have control of that uh, self-emotion? So, all important stuff. So those are the five things a 51%er has. These are the characteristics that Danny's looking for. And I gave you some tricks to see if some of the people that you're interviewing have some of those characteristics. Um, real quickly, I'm going to run through some of the things uh, Danny looks for for hiring managers. Those five characteristics were what Danny uses for hiring uh, line staff. Th- this is what he's looking for uh, for hiring managers. I'm going to bust through this one fast. So the first thing is uh, infectious attitudes. I mean, people who are positive attract positive people, and they make other people positive. It's the law of attraction. Uh, It's pretty uh, self-explanatory. Number two, are they self-aware? Just like before, we mentioned it with uh, hiring staff. Are they aware of how their actions affect others? Number three, do they have charitable assumptions? Meaning... Do they look at the best? It's kind of like being optimistic, right? Do they look for the the best in all situations? Do they assume something bad happened because somebody was trying to do good? Number four, do they have long-term views of success? Meaning, are they thinking about how their actions right now will affect the long-term outcome? Uh... Do they plan for the future? I mean, most people uh, open restaurants to be long-term. Are they thinking that far out in advance that they intend or they may want to stay with you for a long time? Number five, do they have a sense of abundance? I mean, do they have an abundance attitude? What I hear from this is, you know, the more you give, the more you get. Are they not afraid to be giving? Are they not afraid to give their time, their knowledge, their wisdom? Are they generous, uh... The more you help other people, the more successful you look, the more others are willing to help you. Number six, do they instill a sense of trust? Not only are they trusting of others, but do others trust them? When you have a relationship based off trust, uh, things just go smoother. I mean, you don't have to be tricky. You don't have to lie. There's a lot more authenticity. There's a lot more transparency there and it's just healthier for everyone. So does this person have the ability to trust and can they be trusted? Number seven, do they have tough love? Why is tough love important? Danny Myers talks about tough love and he defines it as being frank. It's a I'm on your side honesty or attitude. It's saying I care enough about you to tell you the truth even if the truth is tough to hear. And honestly, it's not just tough love with uh, your your staff. Are they willing to tell your staff how to be better? But would they be tough on you? <laughs> like, Are they willing to tell you when you're not meeting those standards of excellence? Are they willing to speak up if 
you aren't doing your job. You need people to challenge you. It's really important. It's one of the things I learned as a pilot, the first officer, the second in command. It's your job to challenge uh, your captain. Their captain's not always right. If you see something that could hurt somebody that's not good, that's not the best you can be, it's your job to step up and say something. And um, it's that tough love sometimes. You know, you're the boss, you're the owner, you don't want to be told you're wrong, but sometimes you got to hear it. Let's face it. Um, and then lastly, not feeling threatened by others. You need somebody with confidence. You need somebody that's not going to be, uh, seeing everyone as a threat. Again, that just kind of puts negative energy into the air. And now we're going to talk about how you attract these people so you can interview them and you can hire them and then you can keep them forever. And, uh, this is going to be the shortest part on how to, you know, how to attract. I'm not going to have much to say here. And honestly, it's so simple Yet so hard. Uh, conceptually, it's very straightforward, but in the real world, to do what I'm about to say is going to challenge you. It's going to require discipline, but the answer is you've got to be great. It's that easy and that hard. Great people attract other great people. How do you become great is the question. What can I do to be great? It's all about just treating people well, trying every day to wake up and be a better version of yourself than you were the day before. Uh, I'm gonna take Danny Meyer's philosophy of enlightened hospitality, and I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it just a little bit further. I guess you can say it's my version of enlightened hospitality. So we know that Danny talks about showing hospitality first to your employees, then to your guests, then to your community, then to your suppliers, and then to your investors. I think he's got it right. But the one thing I would do differently because of what I've learned from Danny Myers is that you've got to put yourself before anything else. Now, I know this sounds counterintuitive because hospitality is all about inconveniencing yourself for the convenience of others, but hear me out. Why? Because you need to work on developing yourself. You need to give to yourself, to challenge yourself, to grow yourself, to respect yourself, to take care of yourself. Because if you do these things, if you are always searching to be a better version of yourself than you you were the day before, you're going to slowly become greater and greater and greater. And people will want to work for you. But it's hard work. Conceptually, it's so simple. But it's hard work and it starts today. It starts right now. They said the best time to plant a tree, when was it? 20 years ago. The next best time is right now. So... The only other way I know how to explain this is, uh, I'll use an analogy. When you're on an airplane, right, you have the flight attendant. She's giving you the pre-flight safety briefing. She talks about how the, the oxygen masks will drop from the ceiling in the case of emergency. What she tells you to do, right, when that emergency happens, you put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Why do you do it? Because you need to make sure you are safe, that you can function, that you can serve others. But it starts with taking care of yourself. Once you get that oxygen mask on, once you make yourself in the position to be great, to help others, then you can start taking care of your staff, your community, your suppliers, your uh, guests, your... uh, I went out of order there, but you get the idea. But it all starts with having that self-discipline, that inner greatness first. Uh, So now you're asking yourself, well, how the hell do I just hit a switch and become great? And it's going to go full circle. Um, Like we said before, 
If you want great people to work for you, you need to be great. And if you want to be great, you need to surround yourself with great people. And today, there's an abundance of resources that are at your fingertips. Literally, you can be a reach away from an incredible mentor by reading a book, by taking their advice, by you know trying to find out what characteristics and habits they have so you can match those characteristics and habits and be great like them. I'm not going to go crazy now and list a bunch of books for you, but I am going to list one book, one book I think everyone should read if they're aspiring to be something great, and that is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's on audiobook. You can get it for free. You have nothing to lose, and I promise you, if you read this book, you will change your view on life, and you will start doing things differently, and you will start moving towards greatness. Um, and I'll also I'll provide a whole list of other books that I've read that I recommend that my guests have read and recommended on the show uh, in the show notes. Some of the, the books I think you should read uh, in that order, and I'll also let you know which ones are on audio uh, because you know how much I love the power of audio. Uh, this podcast is a living <laughs> proof of that, but audiobooks. You can do so much and learn at the same time. Walk the dog, go for a run, go to the gym, work in the kitchen, prep cook, drive in the car. Turn your life into a university with audiobooks. I'm telling you guys, it's totally worth checking out. So that's everything I have today. I will recap everything we discuss. Uh, I will bullet it all right there in the show notes. Head to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash attract, hire, keep and you will find everything we talked about right there. All right, guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the content I shared with you. Uh, thank you very much to Danny Myers for sharing your wisdom with us in this book, Saying the Table. Uh, we can all learn so much from you. Um, awesome, awesome book. And uh, if you did like this episode, if you thought that there is value in Danny Meyer's advice and his wisdom, uh, check me out next Tuesday because I'm going to be sharing the five A's for effectively addressing mistakes. I mean, we make mistakes in this industry. It happens, but it's not the end of the world. And uh, Danny Meyer sh- shares some great tips on how to, uh, like he says, write the end of the story. So that's next Tuesday. Check in. I'll have that for you. And uh, all right, that's all, guys. Thank you so much. Until next time, peace out.